Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Josh in for Tim today. Balloon Party, Josh and uh, Jackson. What's going on, Jackson? How you doing, bud? Good. How are you, Josh? Good. I was um, talking with Mike yesterday, and he was showing everybody in the office this video, like a, a still shot of when you and I were doing this yesterday and I started talking about locker room dong mm. and I, I reached out I, I went to you and said so you know your thoughts on that and you go hmm <laughs> and he kept showing me this video and it was fantastic just like this level of uncomfortable that it seemed like I don't know if it actually was but like if you just watch that little five seconds of that entire show you'd go this guy's uncomfortable, and that's okay. Listen, I do a little program called TMA. That's what I was telling them! We just wrapped it up here a minute ago, and uh, I am used to such conversation. Uh, we, we we dive into what the what people really want to hear. Yeah. So, uh, uncomfortable. Just uh, We seldom do it in this uh, studio, but hey, I'm open to anything. I said yesterday I have an open-minded gentleman. You, you guys work blue over there. That's how I would yeah. put that. You work a little blue. Sure, sure. And that's the thing. On 101 ESPN, uh, this is not a place where people work blue. Whatever the opposite of blue is, that tends to be the direction that things get worked on the terrestrial side of things here. We work white here at 101 ESPN. Very white. You guys are used to working blue. And I don't see color. I just say whatever comes to my mind. Dan McLaughlin brought it to my attention, though, that I really look like a fanboy dope today. Because <laughs> if you're watching on the YouTube, I got my Cardinals hat on and my Cardinals shirt, and it didn't even occur to me that I put both of these on. And I really look like a jerk, like a fanboy jerk today. <laughs> but I have to prove to you guys how much I love the Cardinals. Uh, of course, that uh, semi-criticism was coming from Dan, who wears sweats to work every day. So, hey... I wish I lived that life. Dan rolls in, got his sweatshirt on, got his sweats on. He's like, hey, bud, you're a real fan with all your Cardinals gear on. I'm like, hey, bud, you're real homeless with your gear on. But it's okay. I like Dan. In fact, um, I was actually thrilled the first time I met Dan because I was walking through the hall. And again, growing up, I watched the Cardinals. The Jack Buck hero, Mike Shannon hero, John Rooney, detest him. Ricky Horton could do without him. But like... Dan is my guy. I think Dan is incredible on television. I really hate Chip Carey. I think I speak for real Cardinals fans when I tell you that Chip Carey just sounds like a hired gun, and Dan sounds like a guy that truly loves the St. Louis Cardinals, and that's why I loved listening to Dan call the games. I just love the excitement of it. I love the clear references to like Jack Buck calls. I love Dan McLaughlin on television. The first time I see him in the hall, I see him just kind of walking through the hall, and I'm like, oh, boy, it's Dan McLaughlin. So I kind of go, 
Hey, Dan. And he goes, and that was the extent of the conversation I had the first time I met Dan McLaughlin. And they say, never meet your heroes. It was totally worth it, I say. But anyway, welcome you into Balloon Party today. So Yamamoto is going to the Dodgers because why wouldn't he? Everybody goes to the Dodgers. They have all the money. And I see a lot of people upset about this. And and look, I'm a Cardinal fan like you guys. I don't speak to you as a media person. I'm not one of these holier-than-thou print writers, uh, somebody who writes for The Athletic and then asks you to spend $12 a month to read stuff you can get for free on Twitter all the time. I'm not one of those type of people. I am one of you. I don't like to talk down to you. I don't like to act like you're stupid. I don't like to be condescending towards you. And I don't want you to believe that for some reason you're a moron to expect more out of your local baseball team. You should expect more. But there are realistic expectations one should have for their team. And the most realistic of them being that your team will never spend $325 million for any player, more than likely, and certainly not a pitcher. And guess what? They're not wrong. That's the way it should be. $325 million for a pitcher is a luxury purchase, essentially. It's because you have money. You have stupid money. You have oil money. You are the Dodgers. Like, let's think about it this way. Major League Baseball, all... How many teams are in baseball? 30, 32? Is it 30 or 32? It doesn't matter. 30 teams. Okay, there's 30 baseball teams. Imagine they're all part of a family, and they're all brothers and sisters and cousins and relatives in some way, right? The Dodgers, the Mets somehow, even though the Mets are total losers that never win anything, the Mets are a very wealthy brother. Dodgers are a very wealthy brother. Go down the list of some of the Yankees or a team like that. Teams like that that spend stupid money and they have stupid money. They're very rich brothers that did very well for themselves. Uh, They've got like a 10 for a wife. She's smoking hot, totally fake, but totally hot. Dude drives like a tank to Christmas. Like, like, Bill, how did you get a tank? He's like, I don't know. I'm test driving it. Like that, like that kind of guy. He's got tons of cash, got a pool inside and outside mansion. All of his children are beautiful. They're going to go to Ivy League schools. His mistress is even hotter than his hot wife, who's a 10. That's the Dodgers, and that's okay. Then you got teams like the Cardinals, and the Cardinals are also very affluent, very they're doing well. Like, you own your own business. You're like, hey, I uh, I started my own concrete business, and now it's blown up into this big thing. It's a great local company. I do very well for myself. I have a pool, not multiple pools, but it's heated, and it's nice, and my wife is a 7.5, and she looks great, and she was on the dance team at, like, Ole Miss, and she was hot, and, like, and you're fine. You're doing well. Your kids are fine. One of them's kind of a screw-up, but the rest are pretty smart. And you drive like a really nice F-150, like the highest end-of-the-line pickup truck. That's who you are. Your brother judges you because he's got more than you, but there's nothing wrong with where you are. 
And that's kind of who the Cardinals are in this. The Cardinals are that brother who does very well for himself, but is never going to drive a tank to Christmas dinner with the family. And he's not going to be able to buy the nicest gifts for mom. Like you come home for Christmas and and, and you bring mom, I don't know, like a nice piece of jewelry because you're doing well for yourself. You own a nice business. You got a great rating with the Better Business Bureau. You're doing great. But... You give mom a nice necklace, you give dad a nice little gift, you know, and you're doing well, you feel good about yourself. And then, like, your brother comes home and buys your mom, like, a giraffe. And you're like, what the hell is a giraffe? And that's essentially the difference in the Dodgers and the Cardinals. They're in the same family. One can just spend more lavishly, but neither one of them are doing poorly. Now, you can look at, like, your pirates and your royals and teams like that. Those are like methed out brothers, like the one that when you're in the group chat with your family, you're all talking trash about and they don't know you're talking trash about them because they're strung out on meth and they're doing meth because they got hooked on Oxycontin and they got hooked on Oxycontin because at one point they were huffing paint behind Walmart and then it was a gateway. And that's like the Pirates and the Royals and teams like that. All right. I tell you all that to tell you this. There's nothing wrong with being who the Cardinals are financially. What did they spend last year? Like 170, $580 million, middle of the two, pack. Right around 200 Okay, they could spend more. And I'd be fine if they spent more. You should expect them to spend more if it makes sense. They don't have buy mom a giraffe for Christmas money. And they don't have like, hey, we're just going to go over to Africa and shoot an elephant money. They're not like those kind of guys. The Cardinals are like, hey, I'm bringing the dudes on a golf trip to Vegas type. Like, that's what the Cardinals have. And you should expect them to spend at the top end of where they are. They should do that. But it's got to be smart. If you're upset that the Cardinals didn't spend $325 million on a pitcher who, let's be real, in most cases, pitchers are going to play 11 to 12-ish percent of the, basically, if you look at 100%, there's about 1,458 innings in a baseball season if every game for every team goes nine innings. So let's just say 1,500, give or take. A pitcher's going to go out there in today's baseball and throw five innings, five and a third, like Blake Snell, who everybody's obsessed with. Blake Snell, on average, throws five and a third innings. Same with guys like Dylan Cease. They're going to play about 12% of the time. Are you going to invest $325 million in someone who pays 12% of the time if you don't have ridiculous, funny, go hunt an elephant in Africa money? No, you're not going to do that. You have to be somewhat responsible physically. Now, if it were like a Bryce Harper a couple years ago, and you've got an opportunity to add a bat that plays 100% of the time, give or take, and mashes and scores runs for you in an era where pitching's been minimized and hitting has been blown up. I mean, look at the way the game is going right now. Let's look at what we saw yesterday. Again, they made changes to the pitch clock. That's to benefit offense. Uh, The shift going away, that's to benefit offense. That's the way this works. This is an offensive sport. They're doing things to make things more difficult for pitchers. So if they're trying to make things more difficult for pitchers, Why would you give premium money? I'm talking stupid money, biggest money you've ever spent on a pitcher. Realistically, they were never going to be in for him anyway, but I'm just talking to the people getting worked up and angry, like the Cardinals are frugal and they're cheap and they don't spend until it needs to sell. Look, 
The Cardinals have a chance to get a Cease or a Snell, and they're cheap on that end when you're talking 100 mil, 150 mil. Go at them. That's fair. You should. If they have a chance to add a generational offensive player like a Bryce Harper was for 300 to 400 million, that's going to help you for a decade and change your franchise and hit 50 home runs and drive in 110 every year and help you win games 100% of the time, then we get pissed at them. What we don't do is look at Yamamoto, who, fun fact, ain't many ever watched Yamamoto play. None of us have. Like a month and a half ago, if you said, hey, Yamamoto, you'd go, I have no idea who that is. And I'd say, I don't either. Then somewhere over the last month and a half, you start listening to sports radio and reading Twitter, and everybody's got to have Yamamoto. Yamamoto, if we don't get him, it's a failure. Like everybody, now, it's, and like, I, I got a lot of stuff to get into about this, but. My favorite part was everybody said we needed Sonny Gray, right? You remember that, Jackson? If we get Sonny Gray, I think we're getting an A this offseason because people love to give grades grades on offseason. They get Sonny Gray, and then instantly it became, you know this guy's 34? What are we doing paying 20 a year for a 34-year-old guy? People are never happy. That's the way people operate. That's how we are as people, Right. A month and a half ago, most people in St. Louis didn't know who Yamamoto is, and most of them still don't know who Yamamoto is. They just hear honks on the radio and dweebs on Twitter saying the Cardinals are a failure of an organization if they don't sign him. All that said, pitching's not the issue. We talked about that yesterday, and we'll get more into that. we got a lot of stuff to get into today. Balloon party, Josh, in for Tim. It's 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You know what fascinates me? And by the way, you can follow my podcast. It's just called Beer Balls and uh, Barbecue with Josh Ennis. You can find that. I'm trying to relaunch it. But I'm also on Casey in the afternoons. What's fascinating as I look at uh, the text over here is I, I, I have someone calling me a shock jock. I feel like if you're shocked by anything I've said today, if you consider this shocking, then um, you live in a very white bread world, and that's okay, but I don't find myself to be all that shocking. Do people call you guys shocking ever? Do you guys get shocked, Jock? No, I just call us dumb. I mean, like, I, I just don't understand. I'm not, I'm not ripping anybody or anything, but I'm fascinated that, like, you guys, like, have porn stars and everything on the radio, on the, the podcast, right? And I'm not judging that. I think that's fun. We have Lisa Ann on today. And there you go, Lisa Ann, right? That's a good example. So I would do segments when I was on the air in Houston or Philadelphia, and I'd get, oh, you're shock jock. You're just shocking. And then, like, the show that would come on after me would have Lisa Ann, a porn star, most known for doing, what, like, stepmom porn? Quality. I'm a big fan of stepmom porn. No, no judgment from me. But then they would look at like these guys having a porn star, and nobody would ever call them shocking. They'd never say, this is shocking. Porn stars? People who sell their coups for a living? That's not shocking at all. But the guy that gives the opinions on the teams that people don't like, this man here is uh, uh, shocking. This man is a shock jock is what he is. But uh, anyway, welcome into Balloon Party, everybody. I know I said this yesterday, but as it relates to Yamamoto getting this $325 million deal and people using this as an opportunity to say, the Cardinals are cheap. 
uh, oh my God, we, we weren't even in the sweepstakes, nor should you be, because statistics would back up the fact that spending $325 million on a pitcher is actually stupid and pointless in an era where baseball is actively trying to minimize pitching. Like, it would be dumb. And statistically, or just looking at results, you would see that teams that have offenses are the ones that are thriving and teams that are very pitcher dominant really aren't all that great once you get to the postseason. And once you get to the postseason, I mean, it's the best two out of three. I hear Tim talking about this all the time. You play six months to get to a three-game series. And as we learned here uh, two years ago against Philly, uh, I mean, it's looking great for you. You're like, hey, we're moving on. You have a bad ninth inning. You don't show up in game two. And just like that, you go from 90-plus wins to nothing. And you're out of the playoffs in a weekend. So baseball is brutal in that way. But if you look at the Cardinals, the Cardinals scored 719 runs last year, right? Now, and I bring this up because all offseason, all I've heard is, you know, offense, we're good. We're good on the offensive end, but we got to go out and get high-end pitching. And mind you, I don't disagree with the idea or the notion that the Cardinals need better pitching. They do. Their pitching was not good. It was near the bottom of the league last year. That is all fine. Now, I know a lot of you schmucks don't want to hear this, but that number's going to get better without a guy going out giving up 90-plus runs and having an 8 ERA, but you guys don't want to hear that because it's country album coming out and we love him so we won't say that we'll reserve that but if you look at the cardinals offensively and everybody seems to think they're okay we're fine right well they could be if you believe that it was an anomaly last year that arenado was 20 rbis off his career average and the same for goldschmidt that wilson Contreras was 13 off of his career average and runs batted and if you think that's an anomaly and that they're going to bounce back then good they'll score 800 plus runs and they will be much better than uh, a team that's 20 games under 500 they'll compete for the playoffs okay so good but what if you don't what if Arenado is beginning to decline? Now, to be fair, I don't believe that. But Goldschmidt's believable. Guy goes from MVP to having his worst offensive season possibly ever, at least mediocre for him. Do you think he's going to get better? Do you actually know that Jordan Walker's going to be great? Or is it just like, yeah, it's fine. I mean, he might be. Or are you just going with it? Like, I think he's going to be amazing. We don't know that. Same for Nolan Gorman. We don't know that. So the idea that the Cardinals offensively is some are some sort of special unit that can overcome pitching, well, they're not right now. And they don't seem to be concerned at all with the offense. They're just kind of going into this thing going, yeah, well, we hope these guys bounce back. And if they do, we'll be all right. So with all these people who are wondering about pitching and, oh, my God, should they get Snell? Should they get Dylan Cease? Should they get Jordan Montgomery? I also love the idea of Jordan Montgomery because had to trade him last year to get some junk. Had to get rid of him. We got to get something because we're going to lose him. And now it's like, hey, can we get Jordan Montgomery back? Well, maybe you shouldn't have traded him for junk. Maybe he should have just said, hey, we're having a bad year. Will you stay? Maybe he wouldn't have. That's very possible. But I feel like if you wanted Jordan Montgomery, maybe the move would have been to, I don't know, just say, we want to sign you now because this year is a joke, but we're going to bounce back next year. And we think that what you do could be very beneficial to us in the long run. Unfortunately, they did not do that. But I brought up that the Cardinals are uh, 19th in runs scored last year. It's 128 fewer runs than Atlanta. 
Now, Atlanta is also an anomaly because they're a freak show, but teams like the Dodgers score a lot. The Phillies had nearly 800 runs. But to all the people that get worked up over elite starting pitching in today's base, we got to spend the money on the elite starting pitching. I present to you the top seven teams in fewest runs allowed in Major League Baseball and how their season went last year. Okay, this is the fewest runs allowed. Cardinals gave up a whole F ton of runs. These are the teams that gave up the fewest. The Milwaukee Brewers gave up the fewest runs last year. Jackson, do you know how the Brewers season ended last year? Not well. Uh, they got swept 2 nothing in the first round. The San Diego Padres are number two, Jackson. Do you know how the San Diego Padres, the fathers of San Diego, how did they do? Not good for that $250 million uh, payroll. Uh, They uh, didn't make the playoffs. The third best in terms of fewest runs allowed would be Seattle. Do you know how the old Mariners, the Seamen, do you know how the Seamen fared? I don't remember, honestly. Uh, They didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, they fell apart at the end of the year. Could have made the playoffs, fell apart. The Minnesota Twins... Managed by Bill Haywood, the Minnesota Twins, friend. Do you know how their season ended? Uh, I do. Not, I don't remember. Honestly. They made it to the second round and were uh, beaten by Houston three games to one. That's the fourth best uh, in terms of runs allowed. Uh, number five, Tampa. Okay, that's the team that had uh, Blake Snell. Everybody wants Blake Snell, right? You got to have Blake Snell. So Tampa... How did they do, Jackson? Do you remember? Didn't they make it to the ALCS? No, they got swept in the first round. Tampa did. Toronto. They should have. With that pitching, you think they should have, but no, they got swept 2 nothing. Toronto. They had the sixth best. They were the sixth best team in terms of runs allowed. How did they do last year? Did they make the playoffs? That's a great question. They did, and they were swept in the first round. And the Baltimore Orioles. How did they do? They had the seventh. They were seventh best in terms of fewest runs allowed. How did they do? Swept? They had a bye and were still swept in the second round by Texas. Why do I tell you all of this? I tell you all that to tell you that baseball, while pitching in situational instances, is important. This is not 1967 or 77 or 87 or 97 or even 2007. What we have here, friends, is a, an era where, I mean, you see it all the time in playoff games. Look at Blake Snell. What year was it that Blake Snell got yanked in like the second inning, third inning of a, an LCS game by his dopey manager, Kevin Cash? Starting pitching is not that big of a deal. You don't want to suck, right? You don't want to have a situation where you're trotting Adam Wainwright out there every fifth day, followed by Lance Lynn every fifth day. Like, I get that. You don't want to be monumentally bad. But you can survive marginal starting pitching, middling start, not marginal, marginal is not fair. You can survive middle of the road, middle of the pack starting pitching. You need to have light, you know, very good bullpen, and that's how you're going to win games and scoring a lot of runs. Teams like Atlanta, who can go into games down four to one in the ninth and come back and win and rally because they scored damn near a thousand runs. That's what this league is. Look at what we saw yesterday with these decisions about the, the pitch clock. Oh, we got to fix the pitch clock, right? Pitch clock's a huge deal. Uh, we got to make the games faster. That is done to provide more offense. The elimination of the shift is done to provide more offense. Offense is the name of the game. Run scoring is the name of the game. You can survive with middle-of-the-road starting pitching. Do the Cardinals need another arm? Sure. 
The Cardinals, if they if they want to bring in Dylan Cease, if they got him, great. It's also important to note that Dylan Cease walks a lot of people and pitches about five innings a game. That's Dylan Cease. They treat him like he's a Cy Young. I mean, he's won the Cy Young, but they treat him like he's a god of pitching when the guy goes out and walks a ton of people. Blake Snell, he's won, the, I think, two Cy Youngs, right? Blake Snell literally, for his career, averages like five and a third innings pitched and walks four dudes a game. This isn't Bob Gibson we're talking about here. This isn't Oral Hershiser we're talking about here. This isn't Pedro Martinez we're talking about here. Uh, Kurt Schilling. Speaking of Schilling, remember that epic that he and Matt Morris pitched in the 2001 NLDS Game 5? I talked to Schilling about that once. And I said, and I'm like, Kurt, buddy, I don't think that anybody ever brings this up when they talk to you here. Do you remember the game you pitched against Matt Morris in Game 5 of the 2001 Division Series? And he's like, of course, I pitched it, dummy. But he goes, you know what? That was the best game I've ever pitched. My favorite game I have ever pitched. And that game was epic. I miss and Matt Morris is one of the most underrated dudes ever. I love that guy. Were you? Do you remember your, your Matt Morris guy, Matty Moe? I, I do remember Got him. Got the big hook there, throwing that curveball on him. And... Uh, Steve Klein gave up the walk-off in that uh, game to Tony Womack, if I recall correctly. And it was the final, like 2-1. to one. God, that was a good game. J.D. Drew hit the game-tying home run. God, those are the days, man. Those are fun, man. But I bring that up to say that dudes like Schilling don't exist anymore, and they're dying off. The Verlanders, uh, you know, they're dying off. The Scherzers are constantly hurt. These guys that you throw out there and say, give me eight, they don't exist anymore. So what you're looking for from starting pitching is people that can go out and give you five plus and then get you to the bullpen and keep the game close. Like, think about You want to know the, the most bizarre thing is the idea of a quality start. So a quality start is what six innings giving up three or fewer runs. Yep. If you did that over the course of a year, your ERA would be four point five. I mean, the Cardinals' team ERA is four point seven. So, like the idea that a quality start is something special, like it really isn't. It's just a name. It shouldn't be named that. But I also have other beliefs. Like I think saves should be graded differently based on how many runs you're ahead. There should be varying points for a save. Like if you come into a game, it's a one run game. That should be like five points for you as an individual. If you come into a game with a three run lead, that's not the same. Like, why is that a save? You have to come in and get three outs and stop them from scoring three runs. That's stupid. It doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, I digress. All right. uh, Josh in for balloon party today. It's 101 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I will say this, Jackson. I am not very popular with people who uh, text this uh, radio show. Yeah. They do not like me. Most of them think I'm a douche. Like, do I sound like a douche? It's okay. If I do, you can tell me. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10. Like, I'm putting you on the spot. What is my douche level on a scale of 1 to 10? Such a harsh word, you know? It I, is, I, but I mean, that's what I've been called. That's their words, not mine. Let's just go with an even 5. Thank you. Diplomatic okay? answer. I'm like, just mid-level douche. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Not like Summer's Eve or anything. I'm just somewhere right in the middle. Mm. Who are other people that are like level five douches? Who would I compare to? Let's try to. This is a good conversation to have. If you guys would like to text in, you can. You can also uh, follow me on social media. I don't know how many of you are out there, but you can follow my gram if you'd like. I post pictures of meat and my dog. Uh, so you can follow me on the gram, but... Now, everybody in the chat is certainly... They're all saying 9.8, 10, 11. Now, 11's not an option. One to ten scale. Yeah, it's only one to ten. So, so let's see. If I am a five, let's try to think of other people that fall into like five. Like who do you, like? Let's start this way. This is a good way to create this the scale. Who do you think is like a level ten douche? Oh wow! Like the Kelseys, the family, like them. Or Swifties. They're just psychotic, I guess. They're not douchey. But who do you think? Like, you, they, I, I know I keep putting you on the spot here, but if you had like someone who deep down in your heart you think is just a douche, who do you think it is? Like on a, like on a 10. I have to have a 10. And then we can work backward from there, and I'll pl- play like the 20-question game with you until we're able to find a level 5 douche, which apparently you think I am, and that's fine. That was a cop-out answer, I guess. But it's still fine. 5 is 5, yeah, so was, I'm a 5. It was diplomatic for sure. I'm trying to think like full-on. I, I have a very kind heart, I like to say, Josh. I can, I can sense that I about I have a kind you. heart. I don't like to, you know, I don't want to put but people out there. But I want to make it darker like mine. Mine's rotted. I hear I have a cold storage shelf where my heart used to be. I am a jaded, fat man. This is who I am. Uh, last year, this was a moment of level 10. Gotcha. So this guy's not a full-on perma douche. This, this is a dude who ordinarily may not be, but he had a level 10 douche moment. I am a I'm a big movie guy, Josh. And if you remember last year, Austin Butler, who portrayed Elvis, he yes. kept up the Elvis accent even throughout the award season. And I thought that that was a bridge too far, in my opinion. Like I don't think I'm that bad, and I would agree with you. Anybody who method acts is a douche. <laughs> like any like that, that, there's a whole documentary on Netflix about Jim Carrey when he played Andy Kaufman. Great documentary. And Man on the Moon, yeah. which is Man on the Moon itself wasn't a very good movie. It was fine. It was just a bunch of recreations of all these famous Andy Kaufman moments and no real story, but Jim Carrey was great. But the whole movie, he's like, I was possessed by Andy Kaufman. Andy, are you in there? And and like everybody wants to kick this guy's ass. Like (laughs) like Danny DeVito wants to punch him in the face. Like everybody hates uh, Jerry. Oh, Jerry Lawler. Now the king is my guy and he's great to talk to about the Andy Kaufman stuff, but even Lawler in that documentary is like, I'm like, dude, you got to stop. Yeah. You must stop. Right. But uh, so, so Austin Butler staying in the Elvis character is a level ten douche moment. Yeah, that's right. that. In my opinion, that's my that's but my Austin scale. Austin Butler, ordinarily, we do not consider no, to I, be a douche. I think he's a wonderful actor. 
but I thought that that was a, a little much. I also thought that movie sucked. I did too. I it, it's just bad this, Tom Hanks. Yeah, it, it was weird. It didn't. I don't know, man. That's and I also it, it reminded me somewhat of the Elton John one too. That was like, like that all fantasy. Taron Egerton. Yeah. What is your favorite biopic of all time? Oh, now that's a question right there. Now we're talking. Now that's we're getting a into a good conversation here. This is good deep convo we're having here. Technically, Goodfellas is a biopic, so I'm it gonna say is. good. I'm gonna say Goodfellas. But I'm going to go further and say that I believe Casino is a better movie than Goodfellas. That's a take. But I'm also a huge fan of that era of Vegas, Mm -hmm. like the mob running Vegas, 70s, that whole vibe. Like, that's why I love that movie. Speaking of biopics, so I just saw a trailer for it. This movie, The Iron Claw, came out today. It is about the uh, Von Erichs, the wrestling family. Fun fact, my dad is in this movie. Nice. Yeah, my dad is a voice actor. Uh, who has been Scooby-Doo in many things, like uh, cool. some Scooby movies, some direct-to-video Scooby movies, right? Got out of Poplar Bluff, Missouri to become a guy who voiced Scooby and Nastro from the Jetsons and a bunch of stuff. So my dad plays a ring announcer in this movie. Very cool. I, my dad usually just you know has bit parts in things that no one's ever going to see. This movie's getting like Oscar buzz. Oh, yeah. This Iron is pretty Claw. cool. Like, I mean, I when I first heard about it, I'm like, cool, like, who's in it? And he's like, oh, it's just me. Zach Efron, Lip from Shameless. Jeremy I'm like, Allen what? Light. Yeah. Like, what are you doing in a movie with Zach Efron? Prove it. And then he shows me a picture of him and Zach Efron. So then last night, the movie premieres. A friend of my dad sends me a picture. It's a screenshot of my dad's mug on the screen. I'm like, what the hell is going on? What a wild world. So yeah, so my dad is in Iron Claw. So if you hear like a ring announcer, like a guy with a beard, he has a beard in this movie and like glasses. That's my dad. Super cool. So that is kind of cool. That's super cool. Other good biopics. This is my kind of conversation here. Have you seen La Bamba? La Bamba? About Richie Valens. Uh, Is that the one with Michael Douglas and Matt Damon? No. I'm thinking of uh, Beneath the Candelabra. Yeah. Now that movie, extremely homoerotic. Yeah. Totally fine. I don't care. Look, I talked about penises for seven minutes yesterday. I, I'm an open book here. I don't care, but it was it was weird. It was like an uncomfortable movie, and he was uncomfortable in the movie, just play, playing the Liberace character. But no, La Bamba is about Richie Valens, who uh, was in the plane crash the day the music died with right, the big right, bopper right, right, and, right, right. Uh, and uh, Buddy Holly. And uh, it's fascinating because I don't believe Lou Diamond Phillips to be Mexican. But he played a Mexican guy in, in Richie Valens. That was back in the day when you could do those things. Like when, you know, uh, John Wayne could play like Genghis Khan or something. You'd be like, oh, that's fine. This totally makes sense. You know, now it's like a big deal. If like you take someone who's not Puerto Rican to play a Puerto Rican or someone who's not Mexican to play Mexican or whatever, or like it's a big controversy now. Back then, these things weren't controversies. But La Bamba was... Really, La Bamba itself is not a great movie, but there are great scenes in it featuring Richie's brother, Bob, who is a real jerk in this movie, you know, and he's like cheating on his wife and he's like, it ain't my first, it won't be my last, you know, like that. And at the end of the movie, when Richie dies, spoiler alert, when Richie dies and his brother goes to the bridge and he's just standing there and yells, Richie, that's a classic. Have you seen Selena? 
I have not. Also not a good movie. Is J-Lo in that? J-Lo is in that. Uh, I don't believe that she is Mexican. So I that's back then. You could do that, though. You know, it didn't matter. But again, the rules have changed. Show Big Mouth, right? Oh, yeah. Big Mouth, great show. Well, the gal that played John Ralphio's sister in uh, Parks and Rec, Mona Lisa Saperstein, she was the voice of this uh, half black, half Jewish character. Well, she wasn't allowed to play that character anymore because she was half black and half Jew. Uh, she's just white. She was just Jewish. She went half black. So then they had to find a black person to play that role. That's just kind of the way the thing This That's 2023 for you. I don't make the rules. That's just kind of how this world works now. But that's how it goes. Yeah, I'm a big biopic guy. Sure, sure. What's? Oh, I'm trying to think of any good ones. Have you seen, uh, what about the, uh, the the Johnny Cash one? Walk Johnny, the Line? Walk the Line. Very Pretty good. solid. Joaquin Phoenix. He's fascinating. Yeah. Total jamoke, but he's fascinating. Yeah, tough life. He's lived, a, he's lived a, a tough a tough life. I like some of his roles. I'm not the biggest fan of all of his roles. Yeah, well, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. So all this started because we've decided that Austin Butler is a level Austin Butler staying in character as Elvis while filming the Elvis movie. That's level 10 douche, but I'm only level five. So I feel I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Most people disagree with you and put me at a level of somewhere in, um, eight and a half to nine. But that's okay. That's good. I'm glad we had this talk. This was cathartic. It was. And I'm glad that we've done it. All right. We'll wrap up Balloon Party after this on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's been suggested via the text that uh, I change the name of my podcast to I Am a Shock Jock Douche. Hey, look, if you'd all subscribe to it, if we could, do you promise me you'd subscribe to it and listen? I will call it I am a shock jock douche. I am not above that. I am not above it. I don't care. I don't take myself too seriously. I think if you take yourself too seriously, you, I mean, what's the point? Look, I'm a dope on the radio. I've been around radio my whole life. I like to get on the radio and screw around a little bit, have a good time. I don't take myself too seriously. Not nearly as seriously as the this guy doesn't know sports crowd. My, that's actually my favorite person is this guy doesn't know sports guy because sports is not that hard. It's not a complicated thing. Like they're busting my balls because I guess earlier I said that uh, uh, that Snell played for the Rays last year and he didn't play for the Padres. My bad. You caught me. Take me to the town square tar and feather me and whatever. I don't care. But like sports is truly the easiest thing ever. Most of us have played it to some level. It's not really that hard to break down. People who are self-important will tell you it's hard to break down, like it's you know splitting atoms or something, but it's not. It's just it's simple stuff. But I've dealt with that my whole life for whatever reason. Maybe it's because I'm a level five douche. I think that's part of it. I think being a level five douche has kind of opened me up to this level of criticism. But, you know, what are you going to do? You know, look, I have unpopular opinions, but they're not fake. They're not contrived. I don't believe. And I like to me, like when people say you're shocking, right? I don't understand what I say that's shocking other than, hey, I walked into locker rooms and I looked at penises. I can see where that might be shocking to someone. But I also assure you, if you were in my position, you'd you'd uh, you'd uh, glance at least you'd at least kind of give it a little little glance. A little, oh, hello. Maybe not gawk. No, I did. I want to be clear. I did not gawk. I did not gawk. I well, it depends. Sometimes it's mesmerizing, though. You're like, whoa, 
But, um, you know, you give kind of like a Kramer, like, oh, like that kind of thing. And you're like, you're taking aback or like a double take, you know. Or like uh, the uh, the gif of Chris Farley on the Schmitz Gay commercial where he lifts up the glasses. You know, I did not do that. Now, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to read through some of these text messages because I got a few minutes here. You are an unprepared talker. You just talk to talk. You don't talk to prove anything or to add anything to the world. He just talked to effing talk. But most people listening to you know want you they want you to shut up. Um, do you see hey Jackson? Yeah. Do you see this uh, notebook here? Does this look like someone who did not prep? I have a notebook in front of me. I was going to do a topic about MLB pace of play and how they've completely misguided what people actually want in a baseball game. It's not the fact like they're bragging right now that baseball games, a nine inning game now averages two hours and 39 minutes. No one cares about how long the baseball game is. They care that it's effing boring all the time. And it's just dudes mostly standing around with their thumbs in their ass doing nothing. What? No way is that that way. I got a little remember when here when old Whitey Ball was stealing 300 bases a year and we're hitting the gap, we're hitting triples, we're hitting doubles. When Willie McGee wins the MVP with like negative five home runs, that was good baseball. Baseball is not good anymore. I have to love it because I love the Cardinals. And I have to watch. But you can't watch baseball right now and go, hey, listen, I wasn't enjoying the sport, but now that they've got it down to two hours and 39 minutes on average, I love it. That's not what the game is about. The game could be four hours if it were exciting. It is largely not. By the way, NFL games average like three hours and 12 minutes. Anybody turning those off? No. NBA games for you and degenerate gamblers like myself. NBA, two and a half hours. Here's what the NBA was able to do. The NBA was able to turn the game at just 140 to 150 every night. At least it's something fun to watch. There's action. But there's not action in baseball. It is mostly just dudes standing around. And while we're talking about weird things about baseball, I'm irrationally annoyed that players still tell the other players on the field how many outs there are. There's like 14 scoreboards, and they're all five stories high. I don't think the right fielder is going to benefit from the left fielder being like, hey, we got two down here, guys. Two down here, boy. Like, who cares? And really, do they need to go out and throw each other ground balls in between innings? Like, you know, you go into the dugout and they throw the first baseman the ball. I played first base up until about high school when I realized that many baseball players are douches and I didn't want to be around them anymore. Uh, so I played basketball uh, with the cool kids and golf with the burnouts. But anyway, like when you watch a baseball game and the first baseman runs into the dugout and they throw him a ball, right? Why does the first baseman, for all nine innings, you've been playing a baseball game, why does he have to throw ground balls to the third baseman? Why does that happen? Why is that a thing? Like, do you think that helps? Like, Nolan Arenado, who's got, like, 5,000 career assists or something, like a huge number of assists and gold gloves, they think he's like, boy, if Mookie Betts hits a rocket, I'm really glad I got a couple of warm-up tosses in there in between innings. Do you think that that's happening? I don't know.
I enjoy that so many of you on this text hate me, by the way. It gives me life. I appreciate that. I was missing this in my life. Mm -hmm. The Casey people, they just stopped listening, so they don't bitch about me anymore. But you guys are new to me, and I appreciate that. It warms my heart a little bit. So thank you. Yeah, But I'm glad we were able to bond. You guys can follow me on the gram if you'd like, just at Josh Ennis Show. And uh, maybe I'll change the name of the podcast to Level 5 Douche. Now we're talking. That's a good podcast name. If you were going through like Apple and all of this, it would be like, hey, Level 5 Douche, I at least got to see what this is. Yeah. This person says I'm an unathletic douche. Brother, I played high school basketball, son. Come at me. I bet your ass didn't play high school basketball. Did you get dunked on by guys that eventually played Division One basketball? Did you, Jackson? Yeah. Oh, okay. So we're brothers. We're buds. Yeah. I appreciate that you and I have this common bond. Yeah, a guy named Jason Tatum. Oh, Jason Tatum yoked on you? You ever hear of Big Baby Davis? Glenn, Glenn Davis. Big da- LSU. He, yeah. So he went to U High, which is the high school on the campus of LSU. And I went to school across the river in a town called Bruley, Louisiana. It's West Baton Rouge Parish. Dude, these guys used to just... I mean, I got crushed by these guys. I had dudes on my team that would dunk on me in practice. One time, the lens popped out of my goggles. We couldn't find it. It was I was like Velma feeling around <laughs> for my glass. Bro, I tell you, I've lived a life. I really have. But anyway, uh, check out my podcast, Level 5 Douche, uh, if you would. Uh, that's a working title. Currently, it's called Beer, Balls, and Barbecue. I think I hate that name, though. I tried it. <laughs> I don't think I like it. I don't think I like Beer, Balls, and Barbecue. It doesn't fit who I am. I'm a Level 5 Douche that uh, likes my domestic beer. This is who I am. Or this fella called me a meat That's what I, a meat gazer. That's what I am. I enjoy the sight of a man penis, particularly one that's athletic. All right, have a good day, everybody. You've been listening to The Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.